Let's go! Welcome to another episode of the Let's Go Hockey Podcast. Before we get started, before I introduce myself, huge shout out to Hockey Wolf. Uh, huge fan of these guys uh, down there, what they're doing with their team sales. I needed some uh, track suits for some stuff, and they got mock-ups and everything ready to go right away. They're unbelievable, so make sure you check out Hockey Wolf. But I'm your host, your co-host, Danny Heath with Project Hockey, and with me as usual is... Pete Kamen, Elevated Hockey. Happy to be here this morning, Danny. This is going to be a cool one, a little quick shift episode. We uh, getting away from the interviews right now. You and I are diving in deep on some development topics today, and I'm excited to do it. Um, before we jump into that, any other things you want to want to touch on real quick, Danny? Are you ready to go? Mm, I'm ready to dive into it. I hope people like this. Um, we're going to kind of shift back and forth between interviews. We got a bunch of interviews coming up that we're super excited about, but we also want to be there for the hockey development side where we're just talking hey, this is what you can do better, at least what we think you can do better, or how we can help and how we can both learn together as well. So I'm excited for it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you're exactly right. We've got uh, we've got an NHL skill coach lined up. We've got some NHL players. We've got some uh, high-level youth hockey coaches. Uh, we've got a college hockey coach lined up. We've got a couple, a lot of really good ones. But like we said, we wanted to throw something a little different. So if anyone's got feedback on this episode, let us know. But really, this is just going to be a conversation, Danny and I talking about some best practices that he likes, some best practices that I like, things that we're doing um, with our own players and teams that we that work for us. So we're hoping that we can provide some value for the coaches and also the players. I, I think I have a feeling this conversation is going to be mostly coach oriented, but I think all the lessons can be transferred to the players too for their own development. You know, because the, the best players take responsibility for their own development. It's not mom, it's not dad, it's not the coaches, it's the players taking you know ownership of their own development. So. You know, with that in mind, I think we get into today's topic, practice planning. Let's let's talk about practice planning. Tough, tough topic because one, practices look way different now with COVID. And I, I'm not sure what your restrictions are there in Montana, but um, I, I think there's, I, I do practice plan differently now with COVID versus non-COVID. And it's kind of a COVID style practice plan on what we do and how we set it up. And I think when COVID's gone, I'm just going to continue with it because I think it allows kids to hang on to a certain skill a little bit longer because this isn't a knock on anyone, but um, I was the kid that, you know, when you jump around, you have six or seven stations going on the ice and you jump around uh, from one to the other, you spend a good, a good chunk of that station, especially if you, if you do six, seven minute stations, you spend that first two minutes trying to figure out what the drill is. And then you spend the next minute trying to figure out what the actual skill is. And then you spend the last like two minutes actually doing it. And so the idea uh, of having everybody work on a certain skill and, and everybody focused on one drill to execute that skill. I got a buddy here. He, uh, he doesn't like to call them drills. He likes to call them skill executions. So um, and he's half, he's half joking about it. Uh, well, he is joking about it. Um, because I always tell the, the coaches to focus on the skill, focus on the skill. And he's like, well, I'll just call them skill execution. So, um, yeah, so kind of what we've been doing, and cut me off if I'm rambling on here, coach, but um, what we've been doing is I'm kind of a geek. Uh, bring my TV out and set it in the penalty box area uh, with the glass in front of it. How One big time is the I did TV? It. Yeah, what's that? How big is the TV? Uh, it's a 30, it's a 32 inch. It's actually right in front of me. Uh, <laughs> all right. Um, just yeah, gotta create, gotta paint the picture. 32, 30, inch 32 inch TV. I put it behind the glass. Um, and usually 
I practice plan. It's a lot easier to practice plan during the NHL season because I'll see something when I'm watching the NHL and I'll be like, okay, um, I clip that, that drill. And then I think of 10 different ways you can put it into a drill. And so then, then that's our next practice plan. And so what I'll do is I'll put the TV there. I'll show the, I'll show the, the, the play on the NHL, whether it's um, Tyler Sagan doing a stick lift and driving to the net. And then we'll, then we'll work on purely stick lift. So we'll bring, the the kids over we used to huddle around the tv but we can't do that anymore so we kind of we space out show the show the clip and then and then i'll show one drill in the corner or in one zone that we're going to do and then everybody goes out and does that skill and so then they're all they all get the same coaching they all get the same um feedback they all get the same uh i guess explanation of what we're trying to do and then they go back to their corner or if it's a full uh, zone drill, they go back to their zone and then they, they all do that for, we spend more than, I know the USA hockey quick, 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 it's really good for some kids, but I, I like to dive a little bit deeper and um, we do like 15, 20 minute stations, I guess you could call it. And then, then we'll bring them back and I'll usually record a kid doing the drill. Okay. And so I'll bring it back and I usually get a kid that usually has a little bit thicker skin that can take a little bit feedback and, and maybe he or she didn't do it correctly. And I'll show that on the board. And then I'll also try to get that same player doing it correctly. And one that creates good conversations, right? Like what's the difference here? How come you didn't do it very well the, the third time versus the second time? And you know, a lot of time it's effort or focus and it allows that player to dial it in a little bit more. And so that's kind of what that's kind of what we've been doing lately. I don't know. Does it does that even make sense to you? Am I doing a good job explaining it? <laughs> Danny's fired up this morning. Oh, he's, I'm on my fifteenth cup of coffee. He's rolling. No, I so I that's why I wanted you to explain that first because I think you and I do things very differently, and I think that's good. You know, there's different ways to learn. There's um, different. I think the way that you do it is, is a little bit unique. You know, I don't see coaches bringing TVs onto the ice very often. And I don't, you know, I think that that's, I've seen a few coaches do it in some other ways, but I, I think you're doing it in a very, you know, you're adopting technology and bringing it into the player's world. And that's the way a lot of these players are learning these days. And I think that that's, um, you know, that speaks exactly to, you know, a lot of people might not know this, but Danny's, a, you know, a teacher, he has a degree in education and, and kind of going to master's degree. I was just about to pump your tires, but you did, did it for yourself. <laughs> you also has a master's degree in uh, what educational leadership. Isn't that right? Educational leadership, got my principal licensure. Before you jump in though, the, the whole TV, <laughs> that idea, I did uh, Adam Nichols, the stride envy guy, who's, he's the biggest geek of hockey you'll ever meet. And I mean that in the best way possible. That guy, that's kind of where I got the TV idea. He, I got to skate with him once he brought a TV out there. I was like, it's genius. You can show stuff, you can do all this stuff. That guy's, uh, that guy's the real deal. Knows what he's doing in, in the game of hockey for sure. But okay, just go back to pumping my tires. Last week, he was that uh, Adam Nichols you just mentioned. Last week, just hired full time skill development coach for the Chicago Steel of the USHL. Nice. Um, but yeah, pumping up Danny's tires. Like the reason I asked you, Danny, is because you you're you work in education. You work with kids for a living. You have a back an education background. You have a master's degree in education, so you understand how to help kids learn. Right. And so that's where like, it's fascinating to me what to, to kind of peek into your mind to see what that process looks like. And because to be honest with you, it's a little bit different than mine. And I don't know if that's good or bad, but uh, 
maybe maybe it's bad since I just I just pumped up uh, <laughs> all, all your 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 knowledge and know how and then say that it's different than what I do. But uh, um, no, that's that's interesting. And so that so that's what a regular practice looks for you. And uh, is that a skill development practice or is that a uh, like a team setting or both? Um, it's usually both. I don't coach a team specifically. I, I, I do a lot of skill stuff. Um, we do a lot of small area games, but usually the way we'll do it is we'll, we'll take the skill, uh, rep it, put it into a drill, put it into a game like situation. And then when we play our uh, small area games, they get rewarded for using that skill. So like, let's just go back to the Tyler Sagan stick lift, which I'll, I'll post I will post the Tyler Sagan stick lift video that I'm talking about uh, the way he rolls his wrists over and doesn't just kind of tomahawk it up uh, and gets to the net. So we took that skill, we put it into a few drills. I'll post those drills on our, our Instagram at let's go hockey podcast. So uh, we'll talk about that when we dive into drills in a little bit, but when a player does a stick lift in the actual game. So if we're just playing three and three cross ice, 1.4 a goal, uh, one point for stick lifting, you get an additional point if you stick lift and it ends in a goal, right? And so you get, you're getting points for using that skill. So you're working gamification, competition into the mix too. Gamification. That's a new word. I never heard that word. It sounds awesome. No? We're that's, doing gamification. Uh, <laughs> that's, uh, that's from the, uh, the, the, that's from my days in business school. Gamification. It's gamification. Um, Cool. Well, that maybe maybe let me jump into what what we do on yes. my end uh, with elevated and with with my college team that I coach and the youth teams and and I, I I tackle it. I think you know fundamentally we probably look at things very similar way, but we we put them in into practice a little bit differently. And so I you know I'm going to back up a little bit and not just jump straight into exactly what a practice looks like for me. But you know I I, I look at my there's probably two main parts to how I approach practice planning. And the first is more of a high level and it is more th- uh, theoretical. Now a coach that is newer, this is kind of like newer information and this is kind of part of developing your coaching style. And for someone that's you know been doing it for a while, it's just kind of ingrained in what you do. And so, you know, for me, the theoretical part, I don't spend a lot of time thinking about anymore. Um, but it's something I've kind of just, I do a lot of research and reading and talking to people to try to you know adapt to how I, how I approach practice planning. And so the theoretical part, you know, I, I, there's, there's a lot of information out there, but I, I try to incorporate two main kind of pieces of information into any practice I'm doing. One uh, is, is really is, is the windows of trainability. So, you know, with, if, if anybody's familiar with USA hockey, ADM, the models, whether you like them or not, the, the windows of trainability are, Danny, are you feeling familiar with that? No, I'm still so, stuck on the word gamification, coach. <laughs> <laughs> um, so windows of trainability is essentially uh, a concept that's scientifically backed with some research. And in, in is, this is actually like when I do you know, coaching the coaches, the CEP courses, we talk about this a little bit. But it's basically is what um, you know, period of physical and mental development are the players in and what skill sets are they most like optimized to gain at that time and so with that you know the the skill sets that are broken down are essentially stamina strength speed skill and suppleness or flexibility that's kind of the 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 main umbrella of those skill sets so thinking of skill being like shooting passing um 
you know, stick handling, things like that. Speed obviously is just your starting speed, your, your full blown speed, um, strength being how, you know, how powerful are you? And, you know, suppleness flexibility is kind of that agility and mobility piece. And so there's, I'll actually, I'd like to post this, this graphic. This is one that's kind of like super geek out mode, but it's the difference between males and females and, uh, the chart of, of like from five-year-olds to basically 18-year-olds and what skills should be the core competencies that are like the main focuses, not the only focuses, but some of the main focuses that should be hit during practices for those age levels. So, if, you know, when we're looking at, I, I'm just going to talk about on the, the male side first, we can talk about female for that, but, you know, looking at that five to 10 range, suppleness is like the key, one of the key skills, like the kids are most optimized at that age of development stage of development to gain skill sets in that supplements category where they're they're going to get mobility and they're going to get agility and flexibility and 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 the ability to move around on the ice the age group of about six to nine is about is uh is speed basically seven to nine is uh is the first speed window where like, if you can teach a kid from between seven and nine, how to really be explosive on their skates years old, seven, nine years old. Yes. And then there's a second speed window at about give or take 13 to 16. Ah, I was hoping you're going to say 30 to yeah. 30 to 40 (laughs) is a really big window where you just, that window's closed. It's like, yeah, big bay window that's closed. But so, you know, like it's hard to explain without on a podcast without really diving into this graph, but we're looking at, okay. So if you're looking at, at, at stamina, you think is stamina is something that maybe should be taught later in, in an athlete's development. That's you're looking at that age group of like 13 to 16 is when they first really start figuring out, you know, developmentally that stamina piece, the speed piece they're looking at that seven to nine. And then again at 13 to 16, the strength component doesn't really come in until that 17 to 20 age level. I mean, Danny's flexing right now cause he's huge, but <laughs> you can always work on that strength, but, but really because that's post puberty. Right. And so their yeah. bodies are going to be most developmentally like optimized to work on developing their strength, but they need that foundation of skill sets of you know, skills being uh, an acquired uh, development window between eight to 12. Um, and so with that in mind, you know, like I don't think about this between before every practice, but that's like a, a theoretical underlying of like, okay, how old are the kids I'm working with? Am I working with a college team? Am I working with a high school team? Am I working with, you know, mites and termites? Am I working with band? You know, how old are these kids? What is an important skill, not only for like their game that, that coming weekend, but a skill that they need to acquire to develop, you know, a, a solid foundation to grow their hockey skill set and, and careers on. And then, how, you know, how does that translate into, uh, into, you know, the rest of the, the practice? Okay. So that's, that's the first theoretical piece I look at. The second piece is, you know, five elements. There's a few articles out there. I can even post some links, but five elements of an effective practice plan. We're looking at constant decision-making. I think that's an important one that isn't in a lot of practices I see if players are just going through the motions, going around colons, they're really not making decisions. They're, they're playing like robot hockey instruction. That's an instruction based drill. Yeah. We talked about that with Andy Sutton a little bit, right? Where it's like, do this versus decide when you get here. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's a small tweak, but it's, um, it's a big difference, especially for some of those younger players. They learn to play heads up hockey and they learn to, 
make those decisions of like, you know, should I go the left around the cone or the right? And it's like, well, you have to decide once you get there or the pressure is going to be coming from one of those angles. You have to read the that pressure really. and react from it. Um, you know, it has to be challenging for the players. Uh, there has to be a lot of puck touches, you know, for it to be an effective practice at any level. Um, it has to be, it has to look like the game in some level, like that to be transferable skills, even if they're broken down a lot. Uh, and, you know, and I try at every level, I think having fun in there is, is an important factor too, because if the kids don't like coming to the rink, they're not going to keep coming. And so, right. you know, I'm not one to just preach fun, fun, fun all the time, but I think it's, it is a critical piece of, you can, you can mask fun inside competitive games and, and very sure. you know, effectively designed practices. So those are kind of the two foundation pillars that I base my practices on. But I, I mean, like I said, I don't go into those every single practice plan, but those are kind of the foundations that I base it on. And then I go into like the progressions. I look at, you know, I, I listened to a podcast, a military based podcast. And they talked about how in special forces, how skills are acquired at that highest level. And, and I think it was a football coach was talking with them about how they train their NFL players and their, back and forth about the way that and it's talking about training first slow. So it kind of translates to what you do with your, your video, you're showing them kind of their stationary, they're seeing it and learning it, but you're training slow. Then they're training fast then they're training fast under pressure. And then they're training fast under pressure while fatigued. And if you can go through that progression of advancement, then the player can, is more likely to acquire that skill that they're working on. So mm -hmm. you can kind of, acquire it first slowly, then you get, you get better at it. You do it at speed, then you do it under pressure and then you do it under pressure at game speed while fatigued it, that the muscle Huge. memory. Yeah. So they, then all of a sudden at that, then at that point, that skill is game transferable. Right. Do more yeah. stuff that happens in games. Exactly. So Go I don't in. know. That's, that's kind of my geek out stuff. Like that's fundamentally how I try to design my practices and then, and then we look at themes, you know, like whether I'm doing my elevated practices, we go, okay, what, what's the theme for today? It's going to be skating and stick handling. It's going to be skating and shooting. It's going to be, you know, defensive play. It's going to be offensive play. It's going to be, um, you know, skating and passing, whatever, you know, or, or, or like a competitive game, game day. That's kind of my themes. For my college practices, we, we break it out throughout the course of the week where we do, you know, day one is battle day. Day two is skill day. Day three is, um, is flow special teams and, and um, uh, systems work with some skill at the beginning and the end. And then, uh, and then that the, the fourth practice is typically a pregame skate, you know, so we yes. have a theme and a routine to our practice. So I love that. I think there's a lot. I think that's awesome. I think we get that chart posted and show people the idea of like doing more stuff that happens in game uh, in a game, the old, um, that needs to be talked about more because I think we're getting away from it. And I'll be honest, when I first started, uh, doing skills coaching and stuff, I would, I would just throw whatever the heck I wanted in my head out there and, and didn't really have a reason behind it. Now, as I'm, I wouldn't say, uh, I would say getting, I would, I don't know if I'm getting smarter or if I'm just, uh, seeing stuff differently, but the idea of like, okay, that play happened in the game. Jo Joey Hishon, Hishon, am I saying that right? Yeah. Our guy, our old guest, our boy. Yep. Go back and listen to his Love episode. It's one of my favorite. Um, but he always just preaches, do stuff that happens in games. And like, if you see his, his drills on online, go check his stuff out. Skills underscore corp. Check that guy out. Like he's doing, he doesn't need all this fancy uh, equipment or we have these big red pads at our rink, which I love using. 
uh, not necessarily because they transfer to games, but because I think it gets kids more engaged. And so, um, but anyways, Joey, I'm going to finish this thought and then I'm gonna go back to those red things. Joey, he does such an awesome job. Like you scroll through his, his Instagram for two minutes, you're going to have drills and ideas for a year. So do, and he just preaches, do stuff that happens in games. And so I agree with that. Joey is also working with the, uh, the attack in the OHL, right? The Owen sound attack. He's working with NHL players. He's working with Brad McClure, uh, Minnesota state university alumni, shout out Brad McClure. Uh, but he's working with these high end hockey players. So it's, it's super easy to get them to buy into what you're doing. How do you get that, uh, pubescent boy, that, that pubescent girl, those, those young youth hockey players that, um, you know, they, they play a ton of different sports tonight's hockey night. How do you get them focused, um, and get them engaged in doing like those little tiny skills that need to be worked on, but aren't always looked at as pretty, pretty fun, like flashy type of stuff. Any tips for that coach? Yeah. I mean, as you're saying that, I think, I think you kind of answered your own question with uh, making it look like a game. I think, I think anytime you can take a skill, if, if it's, that's, you know, small little movement or, or, or something with the geography of the ice, that's something I'm really interested in now. And I'm studying a lot of like patterns and things that happen in certain areas of the game of the, of the ice during gameplay, but you can kind of roll, you can kind of almost hide or mask a lot of skill development inside the games. If you mm -hmm. control the games, like I, I never want to just, I, I shouldn't say never, but rarely do I ever want to just, um, throw a puck out there and just let the kids play. Like I, I like that because there's some freedom and creativity and stuff, but within a little bit of structure to, to facilitate some, some learning and, you know, it, 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 when the kids have the ability to, to, to do that competition and a little bit of free play and, they're actually working on a skill without even realizing it. That's where those kids are going to gain. Right. Kind of goes into that progression that we talked about. So like a lot of coaches will end with a game at the end of practice. Like I really encourage, I think that's great for a lot of reasons. You know, it's fun. The kids get to compete. They get to look, it looks like a game. They're using their skills, but that's, you know, instead of just dumping the puck in the corner and saying, go, go get it. Uh, and that's it. And do that for the last 10 minutes or 15 minutes of practice. Like there's an opportunity to really, build a couple little rules, like one or two rules into that game that help facilitate whatever skill you're working on, whether it's, you know, uh, like a, a puck retrieval or pat one touch passings or, or split cycles or regroups or whatever it is. Like there's ways to hide those skills inside. For the sure. Game. We do, we do an awesome game where, and this is great when you only have one goalie, um, but three on three cross ice, um, one goalie's in the net. And then on the other side, we put cones down the dot line. And then if you want to be on offense, you basically have to get the puck to that side of the dot line, create a breakout and then attack the other way. And so they always, like, if you want to be on offense, you got to get the puck, chip it into an area, get it. The other team isn't allowed to go past those dot, that dot line. And so then you get to, you get to create a breakout and come rushing with speed. And so, um, little things like that. I always, People ask me all the time, what's that red thing doing there? Honestly, sometimes that red thing is there because that kid thinks it's really cool that it's there. Like that's me being honest. It has nothing to do with the drill. They might even jump over it to start, which gets them a little bit fatigued, which makes that skill a little bit harder. Uh, but honestly, sometimes people, that's the most thing I get. Why do you have that red thing there? Why do you have all this stuff on the ice? I'm like, because 
it's freaking 2020. The world's a crazy place. It's hard to get kids engaged right now. And that gets them engaged. And so if that makes me a crazy coach, then I'll be crazy for the rest of my life. Because the more you can get these kids engaged, the more you can get them thinking that they're training like Connor McDavid, training like the, the, the attack, right? Like the more you can do that, the more engaged they get, the more fun they have, the more they get into the game. And I think that's a win-win. So I don't need any more DMs about why is that red thing there? You have too much stuff on the ice. Guys, girls, I know I do. And I love it because it, these kids love it. And so that's kind of where, what we're doing with that. One more, one more point I wanted to bring up in video like this, yeah. producer Vinny, uh, it's a Pittsburgh Penguin. I believe I got it from the Pittsburgh Penguins, but they do a, they do a small area game. And maybe you've done this before, but they have three different colored pucks. And so they just spray paint one gold, they have a black one and they spray paint one like red. And then each, each puck is a different game. And so like when the gold puck gets dumped in, so they have like five gold pucks, five black, five red gold puck goes in. Uh, you know, they have to, they, they just have, they incorporate a new rule. Like you have to go, you have to pass the puck off the boards before you can get a shot. Um, if the, if the red puck gets dumped in, that means one of your, offensive players has to go behind the net in Gretzky's office and has to hang out there. And so the game changes with the puck. And I love that because you, the kids are like, what, what puck are we going to, what puck it like, it gets them so engaged and like, and talk about decision-making too during the break. Right. Yeah. And I love that. And so like when I'm practice planning and when I'm doing all these different things that I think that's the most important thing you can do is one, get the kid engaged Two, make sure you have a specific skill that you're working on and every kid's getting that same message and then, and then three, mix and match it in so many different ways that by the end of the practice, the kids will think they have, would have done 15 billion different things, but really they, they worked on a Tyler Sagan stick lift. And so I, like, I, love, I love that. I love hockey practice is, is awesome. <laughs> there you go. Sums up. Hockey practice is awesome. It is, and I, it can uh, be. Yeah, it can be. I love that, that, that puck drill. That's interesting. I've never thought about that before, but that, that's really cool. I'm going to try that. Um, yeah. Decision-making pucks. Yeah, and you can even do it with uh, – and that's another pet peeve of mine is when a, when a coach is like, don't ever look at the puck. Like, you're telling me the, the thing that wins you hockey games, the thing that has to go in the net for you to win, you don't ever want to look at that. To me, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> and so, like, like, you can do a lot of stuff. Like, you know, you, you talk about decision-making and inside of a drill, right? You get a pass – okay, I got to look, oh, it's a red puck. That means I have to go right. You know, you see those blaze, those blaze, pot, blaze pods. Maybe yeah. they're trying to do that kind of thing. No free ads. Maybe they want to help. Uh, maybe they want to sponsor the podcast. But uh, I like the idea of like, okay, you got zipped a, a gold puck. That means you have to go underneath the, the red thing or whatever it is. You know what I mean? Yeah, I've been using those things for my knee surgery. Uh, oh, yeah. My, my therapist has been having me on those blaze pods. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's, let's try and let's try and center this, wrap this up with some closing thoughts here. Uh, unless you got something else, I'm sure I spurred some great ideas. Well, I mean, I think Danny, you and I could, I mean, this is our first go at, at, at you and I really getting into the nitty gritty of coaching. And I think that, you know, the reality is that the, the coaching is where the hockey development happens. It just, it doesn't happen in the games. Like the competition is, is important for growing as a hockey player, but the real development happens in the, in the practices and the coaches do their work in practice and they see the results of the practices in games. Yep. And, you know, like I think 
because you and I both love coaching, we could geek out all day long and go back and forth and talk for the next couple hours on this topic. And, and I think we just scratched the surface on a couple different things we, we should probably talk more about. But, you know, I think that's what it comes down to is, is that if someone's really is passionate about coaching or, or is coaching at all, they should invest a little bit of time into their practice planning in order to give the players the ben- the benefit of, of acquiring those skills and getting ready for games in those practices. I mean, practice is where it's at. It's that's, that's the point the where the coach does the best. It's so fun. You should be mm-hmm. fired up to go to your practices, fired you up. To get on your You're doing them right. Yeah. So I mean, it's, I mean, we, we, it's a privilege to, to get on the ice with those kids. And I think people are realizing that now with COVID that not everyone's yeah. on the ice all the time. And, it's For a privilege sure. to get on and coach and, and practicing is where, you know, the coaching magic happens and the games are just the fun part that, um, it's like the cherry on top and mm-hmm. practice can be, be fun as well. So I think that that'll probably wrap it up on my end. I mean, I think there's a lot we could talk about. There's probably about a hundred topics we just touched on that we, each one could, we could talk for about an hour on, but yeah. what's your, what are your final thoughts, Danny? My final thoughts are make it more decision-based. Don't make it more instruction-based. Um, I, I just pulled up this cool clip from Hockey Development, H-O-C-K-E-Y-D-E-V-E-L-O-P-P-E-M-E-N-T. It's not development. It's like, develop, I don't know. But his name's, <laughs> I don't know, Alexandre, I don't know how to say his last name, uh, Chinir. But anyways, he's got this awesome drill that he just posted. We're going to post it on our Instagram. You can tell that it's decision-based because there's, there's like one, two, three, four. There's four nets involved. The The player has to come out of one of the windows before he scores. And like, I love it. I'm going to steal that drill. I'm going to make it better. Uh, I'll probably add another net, toss it in a, a red thing to make it more interesting. But um, I like, I just love seeing stuff like that. And so if you have any of these drills that you're like, this is a decision-based drill, not, a, not an instruction-based drill. Uh, and hopefully you guys and girls understand the difference, right? One is like giving the kid an option of what to do. The other is like telling the kid what to do. And so, so that's um, your, key, your key takeaway, decision-based versus instruction-based. Decision-based versus instruction-based. If you look at your practice plan at the end and, and your kids got to make decisions, then they became better hockey players. If they just went through, if they, if they just went through the practice and did what you told them to, that's, um, that's compliance. So they they learned how to comply a little bit more, which I don't know. That's not what I'm trying to get at when I'm coaching hockey players. So that's where I'm at. Decision-based, don't focus on compliance. Perfect. My final takeaway is, uh, is, is know the why of the process, why you're doing something, and build in a progression to help transfer that game from a practice to – or that skill from a practice to a game. So understand the why you're doing something for the process and build in – progression into those drills well that's my one takeaway from the episode huge and i like that chart i can't wait to see that chart uh cross check that like button um let us know what other topics you want us to cover if you're a hockey coach out there and you got all these awesome drills shoot us shoot them our way we'd love to repost them uh because i think that's the best thing about um social media is it's helping our game grow so post don't be afraid to post what you're doing don't be hiding any secrets. Like, let's go. Let's make our game better. Let's do it. Danny, let's, let's get one big fired up. Let's go. Let's go. Big one. That was a, that was a huge one. You got like, yeah. uh, you, you blew the mic out. 
I even faded it a little bit at the end there. So I'm excited. <laughs> Everyone have an amazing day. We're here for you. Let's go. Thanks, Danny. Let's go. And that is another episode of the Let's Go Hockey Podcast. Thank you, everybody out there for listening to another episode of the show. This is producer Vinny here to close out the show with you. We want to make sure we thank our sponsor, HockeyWolf.com and lacrossewolf.com. Just like Danny said, if you are a coach, an organizational leader, and you need something for your team, new jerseys, maybe some sticks, helmets, breezers, socks, anything, they have got you covered. They've got the best team sales services in all of North America. So please go check them out. They were even nice enough to hook us up with a little bit of Let's Go Hockey swag that we are just over the moon about. Some hats, some jackets. They can make the same stuff for your team or organization. So make sure you visit them at HockeyWolf.com. That's H-O-C-K-E-Y-W-O-L-F.com. And of course, if you're a lacrosse player, because we know a lot of you hockey players also play lacrosse out there, make sure you visit lacrossewolf.com too. That's going to do it for us this week. Thank you, everybody, again. We love that you're listening. Make sure you hit subscribe if you haven't already. Give us a like, leave a comment below, give us a follow on Instagram, on Facebook, and we'll see you next time.